Glory. This is a spiritual place, and I'm about to give you a spiritual word. So I do pray and hope that you have your spiritual ears on. Your natural ears and your natural eyesight will do you no good. None whatsoever. The title of this morning's message is God Warns His People. Warnings from God, all through the Word of God. And today I present to you a warning to you. On our last class in Genesis uh, a while back, uh, I told our table, and actually it was kind of a, I like the idea, and I hope you don't dismiss it. I really hope you don't. It's really good to sit together and talk about the Word of God and share and, and just dive into it as a small-knit group. And I told ours as we were winding down, I said, I guess it has to do with just getting older. My age now, and looking back, and all the years, and all the water over the dam, and all the various things I've seen. Sitting there at this last class, I told him, look, you can memorize the Word of God upside down, inside out, backwards, forward. You could stand up in front of this congregation right now and just say it for word, for word, for word, for word. You can highlight it in blue, remember, and you had all those little highlights. You could highlight it in blue, highlight it in pink, highlight it in yellow, do all that cold stuff. Read it every day. You can get in it and read it every day. You can carry it around, not go anywhere. But it just simply comes down to this. If you do not obey the Word of God, you're fooling yourself, the Bible says. Right now, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. If you do not obey, if you do not do what it says, read it, highlight it, underline it, mark it red, whatever you want to do. But if you don't do it, you're deceiving yourself, is what the Word of God says. Look, evil is all over the place, like never before. I mean, random acts of violence are all over. You can't go anywhere without hearing the F word, some filthy uh, innuendo, some dumb conversation somewhere. Doesn't matter if it's man, child, girl. It's just everywhere. Filth everywhere. In 1 John 5, 19, do you know what the end of that says? You don't have to go there because I'm not even actually started, really. Seriously. It says the whole world lies in wickedness. The whole world, when you go shopping at Kroger's, the whole world lies in wickedness. When you go to the sale at Walmart, all in wickedness. The whole world lies in wickedness of what the Word of God says. Now Hebrews 10.25, listen to this. It says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. That's what we're doing now. We're assembling ourselves together. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Listen, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? The return of the Lord, the wickedness, the coldness, the falling away from serving God, the Antichrist spirit. And so to be obedient to the word of God, God says, step it up. Not cancel Sunday nights, not stop, do less services. Step it up, attend more, dive in, get it going for God. Is what he says, as you see the day, do you believe as the more wicked and wicked and wicked the world gets and the more evil spirits that are set loose upon us like never before that your hour and a half a week is going to keep you?
The Bible says, look, if you have a child and you are not using the rod of correction, you're deceiving yourselves again. Because the Bible says there's what? Foolishness bound up in that child, the heart of that child. Foolishness, that's just the way they are. Stick a fork in the plug, they're going to do something, play on the street. Foolishness is bound up in the rod of correction. Not your little cute words, not your time out chair, I tell you what to do with that chair. Bust it up and get yourself a paddle, right? Get yourself a rod and drive out that foolishness. Now look, I'm holding up the rod of God this morning. And we're going to drive out foolishness because American Christianity is foolish. It is. It's just foolish. And so the Lord says, as you see this stuff mounting and mounting, the more evil and the more evil, God says, step it up. As you see the more, don't start forsaking. I'm too busy. All I got to do is pick up a second job, build a bigger house. Got to do that. You're deceiving yourself. Is what the Word of God simply says. It's like having a, you're in a war, and they issue you some 15 bullet clip something, whatever their guns are called right now. You got that thing all loaded up, and you take the clip out, and you say, I don't need these 12 bullets, I only need three. And so you're going to go into this massive war as the enemy is surrounding you more and more because the whole world lies in wickedness and you're telling God, no, I don't need that many bullets. I mean, that would be so stupid, wouldn't it? If you're actually going into a physical war, and I'd want bullets everywhere on me. All right, so here we go. Acts 4.13 simply says this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And then one started saying, hey, uh, you know what these guys have been doing? Uh, they've been spending a lot of time with Jesus. These uh, unlearned and ignorant men, they've been spending time with Jesus. And when you spend time with the Lord, something happens. You get sharper in the things of God. You start discerning things that you walk right through before. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Peter and John were spending time with the Word. It was the Word that made them different. It was the Word that saturated them, took these ignorant and unlearned men, and they became wise in the things of God. One John five seven says, "For there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Word of God that's on your lap, on your screens, in your phone needs to be in your heart." Revelation nineteen eleven says, "And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war." His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. It's the Word of God. No wonder Colossians says in 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly. The Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
That word dwell means to occupy your very being, your mind, your thinking, your wisdom, your guidance, your decisions come from having the Word of God dwell in you richly. It means to occupy, move in. Not drive through religion, but actually move in and the Word of God dwells in you richly. The word richly means abundantly, in all wisdom, more than enough to get through this wicked world is what the Word of God, he says, let that dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Because there's something about the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, for the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's quick, it's alive, it's living, it's fresh. Meaning for today. You go down to Red Lobster and they'll give you a menu and they'll say, well, this is what's fresh today. That's the Word of God, it's fresh every day. You cannot survive just highlighting or just reading it. You must do it. Actually obey it. 1 Peter 1, 23, listen to these words. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, not of church attendance, not of underlining, mesmerizing. It says, but of incorruption, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You're born again by the word of God. Born again, you'll make heaven because of the word. I don't know if we get that or understand it. Even myself, after all these years, James 1.21, New Living, says this, tells you to do something. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Get rid of it. Just like your earthly father coming into your room and it's a mess and your earthly father says, get rid of all this stuff, clean it up. You don't sit there and go, oh Lord, get rid of it, oh Lord, get rid of it. You get to work, you do it. And you clean it. Same thing with God. So God tells us through James, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly, humbly accept the word. This morning, right now, humbly accept this word. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Listen, for it has the power to save your soul. Oh my goodness. You understand you're going to die. And that living, breathing soul that God breathed in you and you became a living soul goes right back to God for judgment. It will live eternal somewhere. So God says, you do it. You get rid of all this filth and evil in your life. And you humble yourself to this word that I have sent you and planted it in your heart, for it has the power to save your soul. You understand you have a part you have a part in this. Even this morning, if this warning is grading you or pointing something out, you have a part. Get rid of all the filth. Whatever it is. Whatever God says. There's plenty of it. It's all over the place. The Bible says the whole world lies in filthiness. Word of God we know is also powerful. That word powerful means active, effective. It produces results. 
Peter and John were unlearned and ignorant men. They spend time with the Word of God that is powerful and it produces results in them. They became wise in the things of God. Unlearned men. Jeremiah 5.14 says this, Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, and that's what I'm counting on right now. When I was in my office, I'm like, Lord, by faith, I'm counting on this now. Because I speak this word, behold, I will make my words in the mouth like fire, and as people would, and it shall devour them. Absolutely. I want God's word to be like fire and just consume everything that shouldn't be in us. I want my words to be like fire. I want you to feel the heat of God. Temperature of God rising. Word is a life-giving force. Ezekiel 37.1 says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Dead, dry, lifeless, bleached bones. And He caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Total, helpless, horrible situation. God brings the prophet and says, look. Not only look, walk among them. So Ezekiel saw this large valley. This was truly the death valley. Truly death valley. The floor of the valley was so full and dense with human bones that the Bible describes it as full of bones. Not any clear patches at all. These lives also represent by these bones that they were not only dead, they also were disgraced. Because in the ancient thinking of Israel, an unburied corpse was exposed, remains was a shocking disgrace of the dead. Total disgrace! The people of God. And the word of God walking among them, the prophet. Because he tells them to prophesy. Doesn't tell them to talk about the weather. So with total disgrace and destruction and hopelessness all around, what did God tell the man of God to do? I mean, I see total destruction and total hopelessness and and everything all around, and and I look at it and I say, God, I, I have no idea what to do. It's beyond me. And that's what the prophet said. And he said unto me, Son of man, can't these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. I don't know. I have no clue. And I want you to see the power that is in the Word of God. The power that's in it and obeying it. Because he told Ezekiel again, he said unto me, prophesy. Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word. To a lifeless, hopeless, unbelievable situation beyond any man. God uses foolishness of preaching. Speak the word of God. It's what he was telling them to do. Verse 5, so he goes, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. He's speaking to dead, lifeless bones. 
God commanded him to speak, to prophesy to these dry, dead bones. By all outward observation, that was totally vain and foolish. Well, if it was you standing off behind some bush and you see the man of God prophesying, Oh, ye bones! Full of nothing but death and decay. You'd be going, that guy's lost it. The devastation was so far the eye could see. All around. Nothing untouched by the filth. Church lies in ruins. John 5.25 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is. Maybe it's today. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, then they shall live. When they hear it, they'll live. The dead will hear the word of God and they'll live. The dead. I mean, dead, that's it, right? You're dead, that's dead. You're dead. That's it. You're gone. Tough. It's over. But God said, I'm master over death. Those who listen, those who hear the word will live. That word here means listen and obey. It doesn't mean going, amen, amen, amen. Oh, I'm going to highlight that. Mm -hmm. Amen, amen. And then walking out and doing whatever. Doesn't mean that at all. It's only the word of God that brings the dead back to life. Not sports. Sports doesn't do it. I've watched the Steelers for I don't know how many... If I'm 70, I watched them for 50-some years. They never done nothing for me. They never called and checked and see if I'm all right. They never visited me in the hospital when I was sick or never, never put their arm around me when I was just crushed by the weight of the world. It's not sports. It's not more money. If there's more money, everybody in Hollywood would be the greatest Christians there are. They're a disgrace. It's not bigger stuff, more stuff, better stuff. It's simply the Word of God. It's the Word of God that produces life. So God says this in verse 5, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. 6 says, And I will lay sinew upon you, and bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin. Put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. You shall know God did this, because all you are is a bunch heap of dead bones. And you look at me, pastor, and I'm looking at you. I don't know. You're messed up, dude. Nothing I can do. So the prophet obeyed. He didn't just read it and highlight it and said, he didn't look it up in the Greek. He, he obeyed. He walked up to the valley of dry bones and he prophesied, Oh, ye dry bones! So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and bones came together bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them about, but there was no breath in them. Then again, the word of God speaks to this prophet. He has another opportunity to obey or not obey. And so he tells the prophet, now all this stuff has come together, but there's no life. So he said unto him, prophesy. Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain, that they may live. So God gives him again the word of God, and he has to obey it or not. You have to obey it or not. 
When God opens up the Word and shows you something in your circumstance, you have to either prophesy or turn away and walk away. It was no different for Ezekiel than you. So there they are. All bones come together. There's no life. Big bunch of dead army people. So God says, prophesy to the wind. The Spirit of God, God the Holy Ghost. So he goes on and verse 10 says, so I prophesied. Again, he obeyed. He chose to obey the word of God. He didn't just highlight it and date it. July, whatever this is, 21st, 2019, I felt the Lord gave me this. But you never did it. You never obeyed it. It's all marked nice in your Bible. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet and became an exceeding great army for God. Nothing but desolation, destruction, and disgrace. Total. All around them. Everywhere he looked. But he spoke the word of God. Something happened inside of you. Something will happen if you obey it. Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Again, that means to obey. Not just nod your head. It means to obey, to be obedient to what you know God is telling you to do in your circumstance, wherever you're at. All of us corporately or individually, our situations. Now back to James 1.19, New Living. We've heard this all month. We've heard this all month. And I've been telling the Lord as I was thinking, this is perfect, Lord, but we've heard this all month. Should I say it again? James 1.19, New Living says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick, speedily to listen. You know why? You know why you must be quick and speedily? Because you won't do it if you don't act quick. I'll do that Monday. God says, be quick when you hear this. Understand this, my dearly brothers and sisters. My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Again, 21, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Humbly accept the word of God. He's planted in your hearts for His power to save your soul. Listen, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You're a fool. What the word of God says. You don't do it. Jump in your car. Go 100, down 40 for as long as you can. See what happens. You'll either get busted Kill somebody or kill everybody. Go ahead. Do what you want. There's laws out there that you're supposed to obey. Just like in here. God says do. As you see the world winding up and getting more evil and more evil, God says you need to do this all the much more. What do you think? You think you're going to live on an hour and a half? What do we have already? Four, five, six Muslims in the House of Representatives already condemning Israel. More are running. We're electing them. 
23, James says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. So we've heard that. Our youth pastor preached that. Pastor Jason preached that. And here I am saying the same thing. That's why I was like, Lord, are you, this seems like repetitious. You look in the mirror, you have no clue. Just, we just don't. Because here's, here's what happened. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget. It's crazy. We had, I put on some pair of pants I haven't wore forever, and Ruth laughed at him and said, throw them away. Big baggy. She says, you look like you have bell bottoms. And we have a loft, so I threw them over the loft, right in the middle of the living room, so I wouldn't forget. And then I think later on, because VBS and all that kind of stuff, we zipped over to Denny's. I got something, brought something home from Denny's. Had had all that trash bag right there. After we ate, put it all in the trash. Went out, walked through the living room, went outside, and I have to have my garbage cans all tied down because of raccoons. So I gotta untie everything I'm doing, throw this trash down, tie it back down. I walk in, walk back up to the loft, and look down, and what did I do? There's the pants laying in the middle of the floor. I walked right over them. Now, I threw them there because I figured I'll either step on them, I'll trip on them, I'll see them because it's close to the door. No, I just walked right out. So a little bit silly, kind of dumb, but you start walking over this, and you forget this, and you forget to obey this. You go down 40, the, the spiritual 40 at 100 miles an hour. Verse 25 says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, which you ought to be doing now. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, listen, then God will bless you for doing it, continuing in it. Not just coming to church, but doing it. Actually doing it. Getting this word in you so as circumstances rise up in your family's lives, it's the word of God that says, ah, 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 not that way, this way. Even though everybody else, God's telling you, no, no, this way. Obey it. I'm telling you, it's a warning from God. Okay, here we are again. Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 25, again, new living. Listen to me. It says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. And I even put in there, me right now. Because I know I'm speaking for God. Be careful that you do not refu refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. This book's from heaven. These rules and regulations and obedience and commands are from... Heaven! You can refuse to listen to me. Things will happen. It won't be pleasant. But if you carry that even further and refuse to listen to the one who sent me, again, James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. 
Psalms 32, 8 says this, again, new living. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. You believe that? Yeah. You have enough faith to trust God with your life and your children's life and the directions that you're going even when you don't understand? God says through psalmist, he said, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. How does God advise you? By his word, by the word of almighty God. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I won't sin against you. Okay, but here's verse 9. He says, do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep itself under control. God wants you to simply obey him. Follow me. Kempels, follow me. He don't want to be doing this senseless, stupid donkey. That's what it's saying. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. God says, don't forsake this. You'll go, ah, we're all right. Oh, I could tell stuff of people if I could just name them. If I was on my deathbed, it would be pretty good. I would name them then. <laughs> would. People be on my case over and over and over and over and over. It's just too late. It's just too late. I got to get my kids to bed. They got to get up to school. They got to go to bed. All those kids are adults now. Not, they're not serving God. Yeah. Iron and a half a week for 18 years didn't work. It doesn't work. You understand, your heart is desperately wicked. Iron and a half? Are you kidding? And I've had people, and I've told Ruth, I have nothing else for them. I give them the word of God, and they won't listen. I can't give them the word of God and something else. There's nothing else. There's nothing more powerful or anything more correct than the word. And I can relate to Paul in Galatians when Paul said, I'm afraid of you. Because I've seen people walk out my hallway, I walk with them, they go to their car, and I'm just like, oh, dear God, dear God. They will not even listen to the word of God. They won't listen to the word. So Paul says, I'm afraid of you, lest I have labored in vain. And I know I'm not the greatest pastor or even close but we labor in vain to give the word of God here. I hope it's not in vain, I should say. But we've labored hard. Jonah says this, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. Speak the word of God against it. Cry against this wickedness that has come up before me. Speak the word. Isaiah 56.10 says this, His watchmen, these are pastors, His watchmen are blind, they are all ignorant, they are all dumb dogs, they cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Now every Thursday I go to Tiffany's house and Joseph's house and, and knock on their door and I got this littlest, oldest dog in the world. Couldn't do nothing, but it sure warns them every time I'm there. It alerts them. Stranger, stranger, stranger. And it's just barking away, even though it's just this little thing ready to kill over. 
It is. So you have this big, monstrous dog that just lays there like a lump and does nothing. And the evil guy walks right over it, walks in and plunders the house. At least that little thing's yipping. Danger, danger, and alerts those that are in the house. And so I'm barking this morning. The Word of God. So Jonah 3, 4 says this, And Jonah began to enter the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. You understand what God, God's giving them a time limit. Some of you have 40 days to get it together. God gave the whole city. I'm telling you, you got 40 days. So we, we know that God's long-suffering. We're thankful for that. But God has it. He also has time limits. That's it, man. You guys got 40 days. What is today? July 21st. You got to the end of August. If you're the one. How about Noah? Hebrews 11, 7 says, By faith, Noah being warned of God. God warns. He warns his people. Warned of God of things yet not seen. Yet he moved with fear, godly fear. Listen, listen, dads. And prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteousness which is by faith. You being warned, then must prepare. You don't know what's coming, you just know evil's coming. You know there's something up, and God is telling you, Dad, you better prepare that ark and get ready for the saving of your family. If you don't, there's going to be total destruction that's going to take you and your family, and you'll be gone. So God warns us, you prepare an ark. That ark is Christ. Here's many American Christians. I swear this. Ezekiel 33, 31 says this, And they came unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words. Words I'm giving now. But they won't do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they don't do them. And I am, I am giving Jason more and more opportunity uh, because he's about 30 years younger than me to keep the word of God strong in here. And I hear sometimes, when are you going to preach? When are you, when are you, going, to preach? When are you going to preach? And sometimes I want to have an attitude and say, well, what's the matter? So I ask you this morning, how do you respond to the word? I'm going to give you two responses. How do you respond? First response is Hilkiah. 2 Chronicles 34, 15, it says, Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan, the scribe, this is about the, this is ludicrous. I have found the book of the law. Where? Where does it say where? 
this, look, this is the book of the law. It was lost. They didn't know where it was. And Hilkiah has a great discovery. He tells the scribe, I found it. I found it. Where did you find it? Did you find it buried 20 feet down in the wilderness, in the desert, armed by every bad, evil demon? No, <laughs> I found it in the house of God. I found it on the pew. Everybody just walking past it. You could open it up. It's probably highlighted, underlined, these little tabs. Just sitting there. So Hilkiah answered and said to the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. Shaphan carried the book to the king. He's saying to the king, hey, hey king, check this book out. And so Shaphan reads it. 34.18 says, Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, saying, Go! Inquire of the Lord for me, and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. To, to do after all that is written in his book. Go and see if there's mercy for us. And that's what he, he was just reading the book. And then the Lord said, you see his response. And in verse 26 it says, And as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall you say unto him. This is the Lord's response. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard. Wonder what kind of words he heard. Wonder what he read. Could, could it possibly have been, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And he's out there, the king's out there listening, going, what? Who, who, is, who is this great God? The word's shooting right through him. Could it be he read, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and, the, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake. Is that what he read? And the king's just undone. What? And the book was lost, sitting in the pew in the sanctuary, where they did their service and tradition and sang and VBS and communion and thanksgiving and in our thankful chair. So because of his response, the Lord answers him, because thy heart was tender. Is your heart tender this morning? Are you getting an attitude? Because thy heart was tender. And, and you could have an attitude. I, I go, we've, getting, we've gotten uh, Addison, for, she's four years old, so we've got, um, four years, I guess. We go and take our turn, knock on the door, the same thing happens all the time. Yip, 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 yip. And I want to say, you dumb dog, you know it's me. 
but he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that's what I'm doing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I know you could be going, Pastor, so be it. Because thy heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest these words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humbled thyself before me, and didst rent thy clothes, wept before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thy eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Yeah, you're going to die. God says, you go to your grave with peace, knowing you have peace with me, and I will keep the evil from you. Because his heart was tender when he heard the word of God. Second response, Zechariah 7, 11. It says, but they refused to hearken, pulled away the shoulder, and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Verse 12 says, yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has spent, sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came great wrath from the Lord of hosts. The Bible says your heart can be hard as diamonds. Whatever the hardest substance known to man. It can. It could be tender. Oh. Pastor, please stop so I can go to the altar. Stop. Or it could be, let's get out of here. Mark says, making the word of God of none effect. Isn't that amazing? The word of God that brought life to total disgrace, humiliation, and destruction. Prophesy. Hear the word of the Lord. You can make it of none effect. Ping. Ping. And so the end we've come to. Luke says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Here we are. That's it. If my earthly father told me to pick up his tools or sweep out the garage or take out the trash, and I thought of him the other day because I went right down the road to the barber, and that barber strap, that's what I got beat with. And I thought of it. Or if he didn't have that, you know, the old. And I could still see myself, the dumbest. I always cornered myself in my bedroom, in this corner. Like I wasn't going to get caught. But he took me and I paid a price for not obeying the words of my earthly father. I paid the price. And for a long time, I thought I'd get away with it because it's true. My mother would go, wait till your father gets home. I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, wait till my... And then I heard the garage door. And I was already begging for forgiveness. He, wasn't, he didn't even know what happened. My poor dad, he just would grab his belt. I never got away with it. Which hurt, corrected me. But this... Here I am, 70, 45 years serving the Lord. I stand before him, and he says, um, why did you call me, Lord, Lord, 
and you didn't do what I asked. You didn't do what I said. What's going to be your answer? No wonder Paul said, and I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of myself. Oh, I am. I'm not preaching down at you. I'm afraid of myself. Oh my gosh, I am. Unless God tells me, unless I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Joe, I'm afraid of you. The way you flippantly take the word, the way you dismiss it, the way you shrug it off. You no longer tremble at the word of God. It's not important to you. The house of God's not important. Attendance is not important. It's just not important anymore. Because see, that's the way the world's going. That's the way most of the churches are going. They're all going that way. Let's stand.